My name is Cole Majewski, and I'm going to be talking about poverty's relation to a raisin in the sun. So, throughout history, um, there have been these tactics that have been integrated into our society that have been designed specifically to keep people of color um, in a position of poverty and are designed to make them consistently struggle no matter what they do. They're pretty much, um, some would say, impossible to get out of. Um, one of these strategies that we touched on in class, but I'm going to go into further detail, is um, redlining. Um, redlining is pretty much a strategy to keep people of color in separated neighborhoods, which generally have poor education, poor public services, and the housing and areas are generally a lot, a much more unsafe in comparison to the wider and more wealthy neighborhoods. So even today, um, Although these, although redlining isn't necessarily implemented today, it's not really enforced, but the effects are still felt um, decades later. So a quick background of redlining. It started um, around the 1930s in the US, although I'm sure it was felt all around the world, but it was most influential in the US at this time. Um, it ended around, I'd say, the 1970s and 1980s. There was a Fair Housing Act of 1968, which is when it was implemented, which was designed to combat redlining. It had a bunch of rules against not allowing people of color to purchase a home just based on their race, but a lot of people just didn't listen to it. It didn't really have that much of an effect. So redlining continued after this act regardless. So what redlining is, is basically, let's say a city or a town, it's split up into different groups or let's say they called it colors. They would color different areas in this specific place based on the levels of poverty, the quality of living, and just, and the lowest level, um, the lowest color, it was generally painted as a red color, would be reserved for people of color. So pretty much, while people who were generally whiter, they got the better neighborhoods, which were maybe green or blue, while people of color were trapped in the red neighborhoods, which generally were much more dangerous. They had a lot worse education. They had a lot worse public services, which obviously it can be very dangerous to like be, let's say, raising kids in these areas. It was just super hard. And let's say you were a person of color, you had the money let's say, to move up in your neighborhood or maybe move to a better neighborhood. But the thing about redlining is it was pretty much impossible, no matter what you did, to buy a home or get out of these neighborhoods. Either you wouldn't be sold a property at all, which was a big issue, or if you did manage to get your hands on a property in a whiter neighborhood, there were threats of bombing you just to get you out of their neighborhood because, let's say, your house was next to a person of color, your value of your house would decrease. So people were just brutal when it came to having people of color move into their neighborhood and they would go to extreme lengths to get them out. Like I said before, redlining still affects people today. Um, people of color are still trapped in poor neighborhoods decades later which is a huge issue. Um, while nicer neighborhoods, their value of property increases, 
This allows for more tax dollars to be paid and then, which is allows for a general increase in their public services and their education, because they have more money to pay for teachers and facilities while the red areas where people of color generally are, they are pretty much going in the opposite direction where they, their property value decreases, their education decreases, their public services decrease, they get worse teachers, which is pretty much, it's still an ongoing cycle as like these poor neighborhoods, no one really wants to live in them. The, the buildings and the facilities they have there aren't good in comparison to the nicer neighborhoods which are generally filled with white people. So it's just an ongoing cycle even today. You still see the poor neighborhoods suffering while the wider neighborhoods are still continuing to thrive as a result of this. So just pretty much gonna be talking about now how the Raisin in the Sun relates to this. So obviously a big issue in the Raisin in the Sun is where they are living in a very poor, poor area. They have like a, everyone shares a room. They share a bathroom outside of their home with tons of other families. It's obviously not a great living condition. And you know, Mama, with her insurance money, she buys them a new house. And although there were some mixed reactions, there was definitely um, a feeling of hope that they would maybe, or hopefully get to live in a better area and a better, and just like have a better living standard for their kids. But then when she disclosed the fact that they're moving into a, um, living in, moving into a whiter neighborhood, all hope was pretty much lost. Um, they definitely got very worried. They said there are no black people living there. And they even talked about getting bombed themselves. So you can clearly see how this affects or how it has an effect on the book. And throughout the book, they even just like touch on it. They even talk about in the news, there's another bombing of someone, of a black family trying to move into a white neighborhood. And it was just always a possibility that if you do find a way to move into a white neighborhood, that could happen to you, which made it so difficult for these families. And you know, at the end of the Raising the Sun, they move in, or they're not even like, we don't even get to see what happens when they move in, but who knows, they could have gotten bombed. That's just um, up to your imagination, I guess, but yeah, there's always a possibility of that. So in conclusion, people are still suffering as a result of redlining, even though it's decades later. And most people would say redlining is completely done. Like the majority of people would say that selling, not selling a house to someone based on their race is completely stupid. That is pretty much gone, but still the effects are being felt. The blacker neighborhoods still exist, the poorer ones, and people feel that they're trapped there. And I feel as though we need to do a better job of helping these families who have been put there and are stuck in this endless cycle of poverty just because of redlining that happened dec decades ago, even when they might not have been alive. Um, and while people of other races um, just continue to thrive in different neighborhoods. So I feel like it's incredibly unfair. And it's not just something like when redlining stops, the effects are still continuous. Like they don't just end right away. And I feel like we need to do more about that. We need to support these people who are in, in these poor situations because 
These neighborhoods aren't just poor, they're incredibly dangerous. There's tons of crime. There's a lot of issues that come along with these, um, with these poor neighborhoods. And I feel like it is something that definitely needs to change. So thank you for listening. And I hope you have a great day.